The following is presented by Lanier Technical College, Concept One Pulley Systems, and Year One Classic Muscle Car Restoration Parts. Hit it! Hang on, you're now part of the fastest podcast on the planet, Bud's Garage Overdrive. Produced in the studios of Jacobs Media, located in beautiful downtown Gainesville, Georgia. On today's show, favorite snacks across the USA, how a car's color can affect depreciation, pickup trucks, SUVs, and increased pedestrian deaths, and this week's guest, former NHR team member turned custom shop owner Frank James of American Resto Mods. All that and a whole bunch more informative automotive buffoonery with Bud and Tim. Let's kick it in overdrive. Welcome in, folks. This is Bud Hughes, resident car nut, and Tim T. Basquale, a poster to the stars. Tim, how you doing, man? I'm good, Bud. How are you? I'm doing great. Good. You, you don't have your glasses on like last week that made you look like Hellboy. Uh, yeah, I didn't <laughs> want a repeat of that. <laughs> uh, well, they're, they're the your sunglasses are the ones that go over your other glasses. Right, And right. when you wear them up on top of your head, it looks like you got yeah. that extra so set of whatever. Looks like I... Whatever just he had, had on his cataract surgery when oh, I'm wearing them. Okay. I ran across this, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do this throughout the month because I just thought it was interesting. And people can, uh, you know, text to us or Facebook us or whatever and mm. tell us about their favorite snack. But this is an article about the favorite snacks in states across the USA. So, Bill, we're gonna start with you. You're originally from. I was born in Jersey, but I was raised in Pennsylvania, so I consider myself a Pennsylvania boy. Okay, and what is the what in your opinion is his favorite snack? Not what they say. What's your favorite snack? My favorite snack is actually, honest and truly, the soft pretzel. Is it? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I love soft pretzels. Oh yeah, yeah. With the mustard and all. Oh right, a little mustard. The only way they're better is if uh, I I like the yellow mustard on pretzels, but mm-hmm. I have on occasion have the stone ground stone ground mustard on there. That's pretty good too. Oh yeah. You give me an Auntie Anne's, man, I'm a happy camper. Really? Auntie Anne's. Auntie Anne's. West Anne's. Virginia. Tell us a little bit about uh, West Virginia. Well, that's easy. Everybody in West Virginia loves pepperoni rolls, which were developed originally for the coal miners to carry in their lunchbox so that it would give them energy, protein, and carbohydrates. But now, if you drive through West Virginia, you can stop at any convenience store. And they have And they got pepperoni rolls in there. Beautiful, delicious. Uh, you know, I'm going to take a, tr- a trip up uh, north here shortly. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do that. We'll be going through West Virginia. Yep. Pepperoni rolls. Yep, yep. You're going to you're going to get on Route 19 for a little while. There's several. Uh, yeah, we're going up through Asheville in that way. Yeah. But, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. We're going to yeah. we're going to go to that little town you told us about. Oh, in West Virginia, uh-huh. it begins with an S. I can't think of the name. But it's a great halfway point between. Yeah, Somersville. You know, Somersville. Somersville. Yeah, we'll awesome be in Somersville place. Yeah, later great in the place week. to stop. Yeah, yeah it, is. it is. They got good stuff there. So me being from Western New York, mm-hmm. I you know I didn't give it a second thought. Buffalo wings. Oh yeah, of course. But <laughs> then I got to reading, mm-hmm. and it seems that New York State has made yogurt the official snack. Come that's, on, folks. That's bull. That is just pure bull. <laughs> that's a different culture. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's New right. York City. That's New York I think City. that might be. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Put some fruit in your yogurt. Yeah. Have, you, have either of you guys had your colors done? What do you mean, colors? Well, you know, you can go into some stores and get your colors done so you can get the right, you know, women do this to get the right makeup and clothes and, you know, stuff that's the Are right color for them. Are you kidding me? No. I laid out and got a tan on Sunday. Does that count? Yeah, right. I rode no, around on no, the tractor no, no, and no. my bald head turned red. No. <laughs> no, you get your colors done. You know, the, the well, never mind. 
How much time oh do you spend doing goodness. yours, bud? Well, yeah. None. Oh, none, yeah, none, none. But you know how we have you're these, looking at us like you know we're from how we, Pluto. No, you know how we have these weird customers about you're not supposed to wear white after a certain date or oh, something Oh, yeah, like right, right. Yeah, not, well, don't wear is, white shoes after Labor Day. Is that it? I, I don't know. Something I never like wear that. white shoes I, anyway. Well, here's why buying a yellow car might be a bright idea. Hides <laughs> <laughs> the pollen. Because they are solid gold. I'll tell you what, my, my vet that I had, my Z06, mm-hmm. was atomic orange. Yes. You could not see the pollen on that car. Mm-mm. No. No, so what I do... It never had any pollen on it. Who, what are you talking about, Well, I mean, about, when it bud? did get pollen. <laughs> yeah, okay. So every, every car I've had since then has been charcoal or gray, mm-hmm. and you can see all... But a study looked at 1.3 million transactions of three-year-old cars and trucks sorted by color to to determine their depreciation. Yellow vehicles lost just 13.5% of their value during that period, compared compared to an average of 23%. 23%. Right. You know, I was sitting at a red light the other day, and I'm watching the cars go by. It was a four-lane, and it was... A lot of black cars, a lot of charcoal cars, and every once in a while you'd see a spot of yellow or orange. It's like the... It's not a sporty car, usually. Dodge is uh, the king of yellow, orange, and lime green. Right, yeah, uh, yeah. Subaru has a little bit of orange. But for the most part, that's why I say cars are so ugly, because they're so blah, they don't put any color in them. And what this study shows is that there are more people that want yellow cars than there are yellow cars available. And it's, it's, it's the least... Common car color in the U.S. Right, just one percent of the sales, which makes it a rarity in the used cars market. Used car market. I love yellow, and I've got a friend Steve over on the in right Winder. car. It looks fine. He he paints everything yellow. I took my lawn tractor to him because I was having trouble getting it to run, and it came back three days later yellow. He painted. <laughs> it. He not only fixed it, he painted it yellow. Well, black is the most common automobile color. Yes. Followed by orange, green, red, while black, brown, and actual gold are the worst performers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last gold, the last of which saw an average depreciation of 25.9%. Right. And beige is one of those, 17.8. Yeah. Yeah, but beige has become champagne. Yes, it has. It has. Mm-hmm. But you notice uh, nice. a, a, lot of the, uh, a lot of manufacturers are coming out with uh, colors that look like kind of military. Yep. Like a tan color sand, sand. Yep. you know. Kind of, and they don't, they don't have any metallic. Right. right, no metallic in that green color that almost looks like olive drab. Yeah. Toyota does a lot of that. Yeah. Anyway. So, Bill, go out ne- next time buy yourself a yellow car. Mm-hmm. I'll put that on my list. Right. Yeah. Okay. Do that. <laughs> I've bought my last car, I'm hoping. Okay. Oh. We'll put it on your list. Because if you look up dead, you know, keep a list. If you look up dead, the first thing it says is listless. So you want to always have a list of things. Oh, bud. That's oh, a my. stretch. <laughs> All right. 200-mile-per-hour wind tunnel has been designed by Ford to blow the competition away. It's the world's fastest rolling road wind tunnel, which is kind of like being on a big belt sander, if you would. Well, that's, I wish you would explain that to me. It says that the, it's a, like a treadmill. There's five treadmills, one for each wheel and, and then one. one to what's simulate that the one road? underneath the car? To simulate the, the road going by. Oh, they, okay. they see, they have a big tunnel that uh, I used to take my guys to, my kids, my students, to in uh, uh, Concord, which is called Windshear. It's right by a, uh, uh, an airport. So mm-hmm. Kind of a catchy name, but it's called yeah. Windshear, but it's got a big turntable in it. So they can actually put a, a car on it or a race car or whatever they're testing and turn it. So the wind is hitting it from the side, hitting it from, you know. Oh, from any direction any they, angle, they want yeah. to. And right. they can tilt it. 
Mm -hmm. So I asked one of my students that got into being an aerodynamicist. Right. Um, what do they do about simulating water? Because you can't have a water near these wind tunnels because it just uh -huh. messes up all the instrumentation and stuff. He says they have a, a uh, algorithm for that. So they can get all their stuff and put in rain uh, on the computer, and then it changes the facts and figures. That would be like an automotive tilt-a-whirl. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? An automotive tilt-a-whirl. Yeah. All right, Tim, so last week I went on a little diatribe about... Uh, scholarship programs for people that want to get into the automotive industry and uh you know i mentioned that you used to be able to learn stuff about cars from your dad or your uncle out in the driveway mm -hmm. and uh you know you did your own stuff your own repairs and so you got to know your way around tools and maybe if you grew up on a farm you got your way to you know know your way around tools and, and mechanical things and that that stuff isn't available as much as it used to be no it isn't so before you, you know, get involved and in, in go into a dealership or, a, you know, a, a manufacturer or something like that, the best way to get some basic knowledge is automotive technology training. And Lanier Technical College offers it at two campuses in Dawson County and Barrow County. And you can get an automotive technology degree. You can get an automotive technology diploma. And you can get certificate levels in chassis technician climate control, electrical and electronic systems, which is a very good thing to have nowadays, engine performance, uh, engine repair, and transmission and transaxle uh, specialist. And right. these also kind of coincide with the ASE certifications that you need. You can't come out of a technical college with an ASE certification because you have to work in a dealership or the manufacturer for so many years before you can take the test. But this is a huge head start mm -hmm. so before you you know jump into a scholarship program perhaps you could use a in georgia if you're a resident you can use the hope grant or the hope scholarship right. to take this program but uh industry scholarship that's offered by ford or gm or, or uh, mopar before you jump on that bandwagon make sure that you've got your ducks in a row as far as knowing one end of the car from the other and how the systems work with each other and independently of each other. And the automotive technology course at Lanier Technical College is a place to get a great start. Oh, yeah. And Just, you can be from in-state, out-of-state, right. and they'll take care of you well. You'll come out and be welcomed by the dealer when you have this level of training uh, because it takes a load off of them. Oh, sure. But this, if you combine it with dealer training, which most of the dealers have special programs you go to, it's just a, a double whammy of success. Sure. So and check if you, this. If you've got a heart for working on oh, cars, yeah. coming out of a school gives an employer, such as myself, sure. the the idea that he's not wasting his time because Correct. You, you have uh, spent your time and your money to learn the basics, and that's important. Absolutely. Check that out at LanierTech.edu. Well, last week or so, we were talking about NHTS mandating automatic emergency brakes to reduce pedestrian deaths. And I came across an interesting article in uh, Reader's Digest, actually, about bigger vehicles such as pickup trucks and the S SRVs are likely more likely to hit pedestrians while making turns than drivers of cars, according to a new study. And part of it is because of the A-pillar. Um, they have to be bigger to hold up the roofs of the bigger vehicles. Mm -hmm. And uh, part of it is the trucks are up so high. I think this is all bull hockey. 
Okay. My my <laughs> just my take on it, and I'll tell you why. But you notice that they like to use two dates between 2009 and now. What else has happened between 2009 and now? Uh, as not only are people driving bigger vehicles, but they're also using their cell phones more, yeah, and they attention. are distracted yeah. driving. The worst A-pillar situation I ever had was in that stupid 99 Volkswagen New Beetle that my wife bought that had the thickest A-pillars, and they were stuck way out in the front because that yep. windshield had such a rake. There was a huge blind spot Remember in that car. Remember we did that story on the BMWs who were going to make a, uh, I think it was a BMW, one of the high-end cars, it was going to make the A-pillars invisible by using oh, cameras. Oh, right, that right, by idea. using cameras. That would make a huge the, the, difference. The thing of this, I, I agree with you on that. One thing that I didn't realize is the, the story that I read in the Reader's Digest was about a woman that got run over by an SUV. Mm -hmm. I mean, completely run over. Yeah. And when they do a comparison between the height of a car and an SUV or a pickup truck, it is huge. Oh, it you is. Know, the, yeah. If if you get hit by a car, chances are you're it's going to knock you off to the side, or you're going to sure. go over the or you're going to you're going to go, go up hood. over the hood, right? Yeah. An SUV, you're going under it. Right. So, and, but there's um, two things. There are two people involved: the driver and, and the pedestrian. The pedestrian yeah. So, what pedestrian can't see an SUV, and what driver is not paying attention to their surroundings? Well. It doesn't necessarily need to be on a corner either, just crosswalks. A lot of people ignore Sure. But a lot of people, uh, I was at the grocery store the other day, and a lot of people walk across that crosswalk and never look. They never look. They just they expect look, everyone's going to stop. expect you're going to stop. You're right. Uh, I think it's a two-way street. Oh, I agree. So I, I just, uh, you know, the, the thing was interesting, but I never thought about the fact that an SUV, you know, you're not going, going over the top of it, you're going under it. Yeah, so, right. And that's that's something to take into Yeah, you don't want to get that rundown feeling. <laughs> Wasn't that a righteous brother's song? <laughs> no, that was that loving feeling. Oh, rundown. <laughs> Here comes that rundown feeling again. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh boy! Wow, that well, was the fortunes, I think. But I guess the point is, dangerous. Uh, the driving distraction can be as bad as walking distraction. Well, yeah, and it can. And also, uh, people that write articles that have uh, who knows what they're trying to get across and what government Surely control. Surely not. Surely not. They're trying dude. to control us all to, to walk or ride the bus. Dedicated hot rodders cover a wide spectrum, but generally, it's folks like us that keep the movement going. It's also folks like Kevin and Randy Red and their dad, Darrell, founders of Concept One Pulley Systems. They keep hot rodding going with a selection of custom-built pulley systems and accessories for your Ford or Chevy engine and chassis combination. Custom designed and built in their coming Georgia location, I use their systems on every car that I assemble, and let me tell you, the fit... The finish, it's perfect. There's no guesswork. They've already pre-fit the stuff if I want a custom compressor, if I want a custom power steering system or a custom alternator. It's all available by just calling them, explaining what you've got going, and, you know, talk to the people that are actually making the parts. They eliminate scrounging around the junkyard, trying to cob together things, making stuff work, putting it together and finding out it doesn't work, and all the things that we've all all run into when we're building cars or putting custom projects together. Check out what they've got or give them a call. Concept1PulleySystems.com Well, Tim, today's guest yes. 
has made me nervous to a point. He made me nervous 20-some years ago mm-hmm. when uh, he came in to interview for a position as a student in the Motorsports Vehicle Technology Program at Lanier Tech. Yeah. What was it that made you nervous about him, bud? The fact that he wasn't right out of high school. The fact that he had some wear and tear on him, some miles on him, mm-hmm. and uh, was come up from a completely different industry. He was a car guy. Yeah. But he was also a trained chef. Oh, okay, okay. And we sat there interviewing him, and he's, he's married, and he, you know, he didn't have any kids at the time, but he was married at the time, or is married. And he told me what he was making as a chef. Mm-hmm. And there was a panel of five or six of us there, you know. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, you know, if, if we get into, you get into motorsports, you're going to make half of that starting out. Mm-hmm. And are you really sure you want to pull the trigger on this? And that was what the interviews that we used to have were all about. It wasn't just about us trying to eliminate people or, or whatever that weren't ready for the program. We wanted them to ask us questions, you know, yeah. about pay and working, you know, conditions and all that kind of stuff. And anyway, it it all worked out fine for him. And uh, I'm not afraid anymore. I, I, he, did, he did good. I, uh, I took him to work. <laughs> I took him to... Charlotte Motor Speedway to meet one of the hardest guys in the industry to work for in drag racing. Uh, that's the perception mm. uh, when you actually work for him and he realizes that you, you know, are serious about what you're doing. He's actually a very good teacher. And that would be Warren Johnson. OK. And Kurt Johnson. Yeah. So our next guest is Frank James, who now is the chief cook and bottle washer for American Resto Mods, has his own business. Um Warren and Kurt have gotten out of NHRA drag racing, and they're doing other things. And when they made the split, Frank went into building Restomots. So he's a much older, more mature guy now. Right. And has a daughter uh, that he dotes over. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, we're just thankful to have him here, Frank. Welcome into Bud's Garage Overdrive, the hey, podcast. Frank. Hey, guys. Good to see you. Yeah. So, you know, it, there really, it strikes me that there's not a whole lot of difference between being a chef and building a resto mods both of them you take quality ingredients and your knowledge and experience tells you what works together to make the best flavor right that's exactly right yeah so wow you weren't expecting that were you bud no i wasn't now what came up um what came up as far as you talk about being a chef you know before you got into your own business you were working with Kurt and Warren, and you told me something very interesting about that first interview with Kurt, where you mentioned you were a chef, and he had an answer for you. And the answer was, what the heck does that have to do with racing? <laughs> Explain that to us, because it's got a lot to do with racing. Well, you know, that that's true, and I had actually kind of forgotten about that. Um, basically... Uh, yeah, I mean, Tim kind of hit the, the nail on the head there. I mean, he, he's exactly right. And if I recollect, that's exactly how I presented it to Kurt. And, really? You know, it was it was kind of that, that same thing. And and being a chef and being in that industry is a lot of hard work. Uh, it's a lot of long hours, again, hand-in-hand sure. with the racing community. Um, and and you, it's another thing where, just like in racing, you've got to love it. If you don't right. love it, you are not going to make it. You're not going to make it. You're going to hate it. Right. But you got such time constraints. 
if you're a chef. You got such time constraints if you're on a race team. Absolutely. Right, right, right. You got a race to get to. You got you got to qualify and get to next round and turn the car around and go. And it's the same. You got a uh, you know a party of a hundred people to cater for, and hey, they're coming, and you better be ready. You know, mm-hmm. and be ready to to adapt uh, at a moment's notice because not was, everything's going to go right. What was Kurt's reaction to that when when you threw it back at him? I just kind of nodded. I mean, you know, I think it kind of struck him like, okay, like I get it. This guy understands. Yeah, yeah. there's there's a relationship there. Yeah, right, right. I mean, they're they're both very very intelligent, smart people, and and I I think he he realized the correlation. Well, and I did have obviously the interest and passion to to go and do it. Like you said, I mean, I had a. Uh, was 33 years old excuse me 33 years old at the time so um you know so he he too is looking at this older guy going man this guy must really be serious to 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 take this leap so i think that was a big part of it as well yeah how was how old was kurt at that point in time now this Uh, was 10 years ago he he must was in his 20s still no no kurt was a little i think kurt was like uh 12 13 years older than me so he was like in his late 40s okay all right something like that but he wasn't talking to a kid. He knew that. He knew that. Yeah, exactly. he knew that. And he knew you were darn serious about it. So now that you got about the same amount of time in each one of these endeavors, chefing mm-hmm. and motorsports, uh, do you still like both of them? Do you still Absolutely. cook? I, I certainly do it, do it home when, when time permits. But, I mean, I mean, God, God forbid, if, if this didn't work out, I'd have no qualms going back and doing that. I mean, it's still yeah. a passion and a love that mm-hmm. I kind of grew up with as just like the cars were. Sure. And that's, that's really what it all comes down to. It's passion. What started out the car thing for you? I'd say, I, well, I was that kid that always, uh, something broke in the house or coffee pot didn't work or whatever. Hey, mom, can I have that? You know, and, and oh, really? over there taking it apart. I just wanted to see what was inside, figure out how it worked and, and that was just always kind of something natural in me, really. And I think that's kind of where it all began. Uh, my, my father, uh, 28 years, retired Marine Corps. After that, took a job with uh, Nap Auto Parts. Uh, he was a stock room manager for a warehouse uh, that we had in my hometown for a distribution center there. And so the car stuff was kind of around me. Um, you know, I was wearing car t-shirts and hats you know long before i even knew what was going on you know dad bring them home from work and and so kind of just that natural interest as well as i mean that's kind of the auto industries helped me grow up i mean it's what put me through school it's what put clothes on the, on my back it's what my father did and it, it all started there I turned 16 got my own car and that's when i, I started piddling around piddling around that, that's how it began when you came to this interview at Lanier Tech, and I'm just bouncing back in the in the uh, a little bit here, what what was going on in the chefing industry, and and what had you, what was that decision for you to come to this the school and maybe pursue your dream? What what flip what flipped the switch? I think if I want to remember correctly, I want to say it was around 2010 that that we did this that interview. And, and at the time, I was no longer chefing as, as far as in the kitchen. I had moved over into food sales. Yeah, you were, you were servicing, I yeah. Correct. Yeah, right. I was, uh, worked for a, a very large international food distribution company, and 
Uh, so I was selling food products to restaurants. Making and, good money. Making good money. And I'm quivering, and I'm quivering because... Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and that, that in and of itself being the, the caveat to the whole thing was uh, what had happened is, you know, 2008. Yeah. Happened. Oh, yeah. And okay. it was a full commission um, sales job. Sure. So it was great for a while. 08 came along and, you know, everything kind of fell apart. Restaurants were struggling. Folks weren't buying food. My paycheck started going way down. Sure. And that's kind of what really was sort of the initial catalyst to get me going, man, you know, like, uh, what am I going to do? This isn't going to work. And at the time, I had been actually, you know, 100-hour weeks as a chef prior to that for, 12 years and right and i was kind of like yeah you know i just don't don't know that i want to i just wasn't ready to go back to that but you weren't ready to go work in a dealership either no at that point no and And, and we mentioned you know when you you or me had no idea that you would wind up working for a hall of fame racer you know and warren and kurt johnson or warren johnson and, and his son kurt no it it was a blessing i mean look you were nervous about me, and I was scared to death. I mean, I, I had a wife at home. Sure. I had a great paying job, and I kind of went, you know, said, babe, this is, it just, it, it took a lot of thinking. It was, it was something that I had always wanted to do. Um, and it was kind of like, maybe this is my chance. You know, let, let me take a shot at this and see where it goes. If it doesn't, hey, I've got a fallback. Sure. I'll sure. survive. I'll yeah. make it happen. Oh, yeah, because you're that kind um, of person. Door closes, another, you know, a window right. opens. So. I, you know, I'm, I'm not one to, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay on top of it. If it doesn't work out for me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on and make something work. So, uh, unfortunately for me, it, it worked. And, yeah, it was, it was scary for me, too. <laughs> well, you, I know you used your credit card to go to get a CDL. Because somewhere, somewhere in the midst of the program, Bud mentioned if you wanted to get your, you know, your... Uh, your resume to the top of the pile, get a CDL. Right. You may never drive the truck, but, but they know that one. you've done that, and they know that you've done that extra step. Mm-hmm. And so you wound up driving truck all over the country, getting, oh, the, yeah. getting the race cars where they wanted to go. What was the experience of working for uh, Warren and Kurt and uh, uh, the group? I tell people all the time, like, it's, it was an honor, uh, to be honest, uh, for me personally. Um, I still, myself, sometimes just just don't believe that it happened. It, it, it mm-hmm. was an amazing experience. Um, I wouldn't change anything, anything about it. It was tough. I mean, it was very tough. Long hours. Don't yeah. get me. Oh yeah. It yeah. was, it it was hard hard work and uh, and and yeah, Warren and Kurt, Warren especially, like you said, they're 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 known as some of the hardest working hardest attitude guys out there you either love them or you hate them and Mm -hmm. uh and so that that was quite an experience i mean i i jumped jumped right in feet first and and (laughs) hung on for dear life and and made it happen uh, like i said i i wouldn't change it for anything in the world i mean it, it was just an honor so you you decide to go out on your own after they decide to quit racing. Uh, Warren was one that wasn't going to race out of his back pocket. Right. You know, he wanted sponsorship and, uh, you know, things, everything changed in drag racing. You know, oh, yeah. At oh, that point yeah. in time, uh, you know, as well as I do, there used to be, you know, 15, 16 teams qualifying. Now there's three or four. They just have 15, 16 different drivers. <laughs> right. And it, it, all, it all just changed completely. So tell us how you approached getting into starting your own business because... The, the TV shows are probably the worst thing that people can watch as far as trying to, you know, figure out how to get a car worked on and, 
and get through the process of having somebody build a car because it, it opened up so many shops. Uh, the guys thought, I can do this. Yeah, and It they, only takes a week. Yeah, it only takes a week. And, you know, I saw it. I saw it. I saw yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. And, and right. they become storage units for people that right. have yeah, yeah. cars. And then I saw a, a Barrett Jackson auction where a Camaro sold for $200,000. Well, I've got an old Camaro. <laughs> yeah, there you go. No, exactly. Exactly. The next step. All right. Well, you know, it, it was <clears throat> at that point, I guess I would say, like, uh, I had definitely learned so much. Um, confidence that I gained from that whole experience was just just could not be surpassed. I mean, it, it was just such an experience. And, and at that point, I was like, you know, uh, I love what I'm doing. I love this. <clears throat> I now have this on my resume, which, you know, I felt was a, a big feather in the cap. And, Sure. Well, I'm I'm gonna try to find. I'm gonna stay with it. And 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 again, I didn't want to do. I didn't want to be a quote unquote mechanic. That's not what I was interested in. I, I liked. I liked the outside the box stuff. The 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 design. The trying to come up with different ideas. I mean, in racing, you're you're trying to figure out ways to go faster. All the time. Do yeah. things and make stuff that, you know, is one off. You're 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 experimenting. You're trying and. And, and that's kind of where sort of, I guess, the restoration and, and the hot rods and, and uh, resto mods, that, that kind of sort of went hand in hand because it was sort of the same type deal. Um, and I wasn't necessarily looking for that, but I knew it was an option. And, and basically what, what ended up happening is when I made the decision that, you know, I was going to move on and, and it was time to, to make a change, uh, actually one of our good sponsors that had sponsored several races for us or whatever i'd gotten to know him and he he had his own business and actually wasn't in the car industry interestingly enough he was in the food industry <laughs> um so kind of weird how it all interconnected but i called him up to say hey you know i was just calling around I basically at that point i was just hunting i was putting some irons in the fire and and he happened to have a, a little sort of a more of his personal collection of cars stored in this particular building and he happens to go well you know he goes well, next door is this hot rod shop and i'm real good friends with the owner and you know i i hear he's looking for somebody to come over and manage and and that's really where where it started right there uh he put me in touch with, with the owner of the shop at the time and uh talked to him a few times went over interviewed got hired as just basically the manager project manager and and, and it all went from there um you know, at the time, he was the, the current owner at the time, was uh, done well for himself, had other businesses, was kind of looking to, to move on to something else, kind of semi-retire. And, and basically, after a few years of me being there, the opportunity arose for me to step up and purchase the business. And that's really, it was downhill from there. Downhill or uphill? Oh, up, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It depends on what day you ask, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, but he had a personal collection, all right? So right. how did you make the transition from working on his personal cars? Did you start working on his friend's cars? or how? how oh, the no, the, the gentleman out? that hooked me up with the... Yeah. the uh, no, he, he just had a personal collection of cars. Okay. And, and it happened to know the guy next door had a hot rod shop. I, mean, I didn't do anything for him. Um, like I said, I had known him from... He had but the guy with the hot rod shop, was he doing customer cars? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he was. No, okay. it, it I thought was he was American just working Resto on his own mods then. Oh, no, I just was, thought he was working American on his own stuff. Um, no, they, they were doing customer cars. It, it is what it is now. Now, granted, I, I shouldn't say that. It, it's definitely evolved from what it was back then. But 
but no, it was, it was a hot rod shop at the time, and they were building cars, and had a decent name for themselves, so um, they just, it just kind of worked out. Again, uh, I guess I'd say I've been lucky, um, but it just kind of... Hard work and luck, right? That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Harder you work, the luckier you get. <laughs> Sometimes. So, you're off the road now. You're yes. not traveling as Thank much goodness. and all that. <laughs> But you're still putting in the hours. Oh, absolutely. And, and, I mean, especially you know, owning your own business. I mean, correct. And and now you've got a baby on the way, and uh, you know that changes the whole. Oh yeah. The whole demographic, if you will. Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, you know, so tell us a little bit about that. How you know you didn't have a family. You had a wife when you were on the road, yeah. but you didn't have the family yet. How how did that influence what you were were doing? Well, you know, that was kind of part of it too when. I should say when I decided to leave the race team, I did, I did poke around at some other teams um, to try and, and get on. And I did get a few offers and, and some interest, and it, and it took a lot of thought. And, and, and that's kind of where it was at the time. It was like, you know, I love this, but I can't be gone from home like this. Because if I'd still been 20-something and didn't have a wife and, and wasn't thinking about possibly having a child, yeah, I... Lord knows where I would have ended up. I mean, I would have kept just plugging away, racing, 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 racing. But, um, you know, at, at my age at the time and, and, and where I'd been and what I was wanting to do, kind of sort of, that's what a little bit led me away from, do I really want to stay on the road and be gone all the time anymore? Were, were there some guys that you saw at the racetrack professionally that were older than you, say 20 years older? Oh, absolutely. And that... that that influenced that decision when you saw where they were in life and what they had given up uh, on a weekly basis or event basis, that kind of stuff? Because that, that really factors into yes and no. professional I mean, yes racing. And no. I, I will say, I mean, it was, always a, it was always kind of a joke, you know, among the pits. I mean, the, the divorce rate uh, oh. mm. in, in the pit area is, is huge. And it's, it's, that's a big part of it because you're, you're never home. Yeah. I mean, you have to, again, it, it's that love, it's that passion, it's that desire. Uh, but yeah, your your personal life takes a toll. Now, bless her, my wife's wonderful. She stood by me the whole time. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it obviously did cause problems. It you know it, it was tough to deal with. And bless her for for hanging in there with me. And and we made it work. And and yeah, I I had my fill. And it was time to do something a little different. So, you you start you you, you take over American Resto Mods, mm -hmm. and how do you build it from there? And what do you learn as you're building? <laughs> well, you you learn a lot. Um, you know, when I when I was there, we when I first started, uh, it had been there was an owner and then there was a, a manager, and essentially the the manager is whose position I I filled. Uh, he was unfortunately released, and 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 it really just kind of in the beginning, it, it was a. Uh, a great shop, talented guys, did good work, but honestly just wasn't managed well, um, the business side of things. And, and honestly, that was, for me, a learning curve. It was something to figure out, but I understood um, how it should work, uh, what some of the expectations, are, you know, if it was me coming in there having something done, and, and really just kind of developed from there. It was a lot of trial and error, um, and, and we figured out a, a pretty good little system now, and, and it's... I mean, Tim will tell you from his own business, it's constantly evolving. You're constantly making changes. You're learning from one situation from the next. So I, I guess it never stops. Um, well, most especially when you're 
everything that you're doing is a project or part of a project and you have to break that down into its individual pieces and you have to make the technicians accountable yeah. for the amount of time that you're billing the customer and every hour has to be built in order for you for the business to remain viable yeah. and i i think You'll probably attest to that's probably one of the most difficult. It's it's nearly impossible because every day each technician comes in with whatever he dealt with last night or this morning. Absolutely. And that doesn't lend itself well to uh, being able to predict how much production. Right they're going to have and especially when you're dealing with resto mods where okay this part of the project should take four hours but a bolt just broke and now we're going to spend another three hours trying to get it out you, you, so that you nailed it. there are so many variables involved that was that was probably the that is something that will never be figured out fully because no, you cannot avoid you cannot. right the the unknown stuff and that was the, the hardest part uh for me to adjust to you know coming from the racing industry um you know we had our race cars and our motors and no matter what they were always the same it was the same car it was the same motor it was designed to it was designed to be quick and mm -hmm. and and you know that you you knew every nut and bolt front to back you know, you could sure. change out a motor and trans in 20, 30 minutes and be ready for the next round. Right. Uh, and then moving over to this side of thing, that's exactly right. You're working on this older stuff. You're doing this one-off stuff that was never meant to be there. And it's like, well, like you said, it should take this long, but oh. And you almost have to have carte blanche with the customer. You do. Because it, unfortunately, so many of us out there, we have to know a kind of a price right because we don't know if we could afford to have it done if we don't know how much it's going to cost up front and that is impossible, impossible to predict and i i hate that because as a you know looking at it from me being from the customer's perspective like i get it if i'm going to go in somewhere like i want to know pretty doggone like how much money am i going to spend right and and for the longest time you know, that was kind of our approach is I wanted to sit down and figure out X, Y, Z, this, this, and this has to be done, and it's going to cost you this much money. And then, like you said, once you actually put that into practice, it's just not realistic. There's too many, no, there's there's so just many, too many things that can happen. So we, we kind of got to a point where we sort of figured out where certain things generally kind of should average, quote-unquote. Mm -hmm. and, and generally, at this point now, we'll take into consideration everything the customer's asking for, what they want to do. And the best we can do, unfortunately, is give you a ballpark. And we can right. say, ah, you'll be between this and this. The ish figure. The ish. <laughs> and, you know, and really a lot of it's qualifying your customers at that point. Exactly. You get the person that understands and they know that and you can tell they've got the money to spend. Mm -hmm. then, then those are the ones... And it's not like you're just trying to, well, okay, I, I got a yeah. guy that's got a bunch Leave of money. an open Let's door so I can just get it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, let me see. No, because that's not how it is. No, and I think once you get people to understand that, it, the ones that do understand that and are ready to, to, to do it, those those are the ones who end up becoming the customers. Right. I mean, the guy that, you know, has 
ten thousand dollars to spend and he wants to do a full restoration you know right you, exactly people do, I noticed that um, most of the big ticket cars that sell at these auctions now are resto mods yeah they're selling for way more than restored cars yeah but that means that the people that are building those cars are spending a fortune on them more than they're being sold for Right. Always. Never fails. It's very rare that somebody will put a bunch of money into a resto mod and, and actually recoup their money selling it or, or make money. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it is almost never happens. And, you know, we, we kind of warn people of that, too, up front. Like, if, if oh, you sure. have intention of trying to sell this car or make any money, don't. Like, right. It's not the right approach. If you're doing this because you love the car. This is what you want. You've always wanted it. You're going to build it. You're going to keep it. And you got the money. Heck yeah. Go for mm -hmm. it. You know, just know that up front. Right. You got to know it up front. <laughs> yeah. So does that limit your customer base? Oh, sure. I mean. That's sure. not a bad thing, though. That's no, not that's not. Thing. I mean, how, how yeah. much production can you, how much capacity do you have to do how that's many right. cars a year anyway? That's it. Especially when you get into the big builds. I mean, they, they take a year plus minimum so how many of your customers have more than one build they want you to do i don't i don't i'm not looking for a specific number but what i'm what i'm getting at here is you're not looking for a thousand customers a year you're looking for the right kind of customer absolutely. per year absolutely that can absolutely. spend the money to get it done right because you're not going to do it any other way absolutely and and we've we've actually ended up with we do pick up obviously new customers all the time and, and and here and there but but we have sort of a little pool of customers that have been with us for years they've been several projects uh they're 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 less than fortunate to to have the money to do it and and we've got good relationships with them and they're like family to us and you know, they'll do one this year and maybe next year they'll do another one or, or whatever it may be so um you know that our previous customers and our good customers are really the backbone of our business. Sure. I mean, the phone rings all day long, but what yeah. you really capture out of every call is, is, is minimal. Right. And, and again, you're, you're having to quali qual qualify somebody without them realizing you're... <laughs> I mean, you sure. know, it, it's, a, it's a fine line. And, and it's not to be rude. It's just, you definitely, it's not something you want to have somebody get into and then realize they got in over their head because it's not good for, for no. us or them. And if you have a customer, and I know, I know this happens all the time, you have a customer that's got burned by another shop. All the time. They already got several chips on their shoulder. Yep. Mm -hmm. And they, they have no way of knowing whether you're just another one of those shops sure. unless they've done some research and talked to people. How, how, of a, how much of a difficulty is that, or has that been less as long the, the longer you've been in business i would i would say we have a pretty good base of customers now but i would say it's still at any point in general i probably have one vehicle in the shop at all times that is that exact scenario that it, vehicle it came yeah. from somewhere else um customer had a bad experience and it somehow it's ended up to us to 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 fix and then that's tough for us too i mean we, i can think of one gentleman we had recently that uh uh, had a, oh gosh, what was it, a 67 uh, Oldsmobile, I believe, GTO. Um, either way, he had a... Oldsmobile Cutlass. Uh, oh, Cutlass. Cutlass, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. it was either an Oldsmobile or, or a Cutlass or a GTO. GTO, yeah. Uh, I can't remember. Uh, same, same basic. Same basic uh, thing, deal, yeah. yeah. 
he had been at another shop. Uh, all he was having was an LS motor put in the car. That's all he wanted to do. He, he'd owned the car since he was 17 years old. Mm-hmm. And it had sat over in those guys' shop for three years just to put an LS motor in the car. And he finally found us somehow. Got it, he, he got it back from them. Well, the thing had all kinds of issues, didn't run right. I mean, it was just a complete mess after three years. Somehow he found us, came along, um, and, and unfortunately, you know, it's a tough situation. He ended up spending a whole bunch of money to basically go back and redo everything that he had done. already done. Yeah. yeah, you can't really fix what someone else Sometimes, up. You but just You just basically have to start over again and well, wish that they had left the original parts in yes. the car to start with. Because one thing leads to another, too. Right. Like, okay, well... I had, here, here's the problem. Well, I can fix that problem, but what happens after you fix that problem? Guess what? Yeah, you got caused another problem, problem now. Right. Know? Yeah, because of everything. It all has to be done in sequence. It all has to be planned out. And, and you know, something, yeah. something you do one time may work in that situation, but not in the other situation. And you go and right. change things around, well, you're back to square one. And just like uh, getting involved with, an individual who's just been divorced, you've got that <laughs> hanging over your head yeah. all the time of, is this guy going to do the same thing to me and the, the trying to gain their trust and right. Right. prove to them that you're not trying to just get their money and having to justify every nickel that you've spent and why and what it Absolutely. leads to. Absolutely. Whereas the other guy who is who knows you and trusts you, right. You just do the work, and you bill him at your yeah. regular, and, yeah. and there's never any and question, question, and there's never any problem. There's a reason they're there, and there's a reason they come back. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And, and so, that's, we try to take care. We, we tell all of our customers, especially the ones who've come through, and they've spent a, bun- a bunch of money. And they've spent several like hundred thousand dollars, and they've built some really cool car that's been in our shop for a year plus. I mean, I tell every one of them, like, once you're in here, once we do this for you, we want you to understand your family. Like, if you have a problem, I'm not going to put you on a year waiting list to come in. Right. You're going to get pushed ahead of somebody else. And mm-hmm. so we try to take care of those people that have been good to us, their family to us. Right. And that's how that is all supposed to work. Yeah. Let's, let's get these little glitches worked out. Because when you're building a resto mod, it's like building a concept car. Oh, absolutely. And they're all different. I don't care. I can't tell you how many first-gen Camaros we have built or any hot rod or resto mod shop for that matter i can't can't count how many we have done but i can tell you every single one of those cars was a different experience even if we had the same exact parts sure same exact setup like here identical build packages they're going to be completely different situations they're going to be completely different prices because there's just so many things that are individual about these cars being so old you don't know who's what somebody did 20, right. 30 years ago right. in there, and you don't know till you tear in. So it's a constant, it's a moving target all the time. Yeah, it is, all the time. And I would think that you've got to evolve with the industry. You know, stuff that's available for cars now wasn't available when you first started your shop. Oh, no, And that absolutely. changes the build completely. Absolutely. It's funny, I look at builds we did, say, you know, six, seven years ago, and I, even I look at them and go, huh, oh, 
at the time, I was like, this is awesome, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I look at him now and go, Yeah, we got some awesomer we, stuff. We yeah. did that? Like, oh, I don't like I don't that. know if that's a word, but, you know. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, but, it, you know, the industry stayed the same for so many years. Sure. And now, I mean, it was all small block Chevy, big block Chevy, small block Ford, big yeah, block right. Ford. But it was all carbureted. It was all distributors and the beginning of that was electronic ignitions. Right. When that for, and look what all that has led to now, what we were talking about before with electric power steering and electric water pumps and uh, all of, uh, fuel injection oh, yeah. and all the things that go along with it have changed these cars completely. Well, it's funny because uh, there's not a whole lot of quote-unquote new technology out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at a lot of this stuff, it's been around. For years 60s 70s some of this stuff was around mm-hmm. um but they just weren't popular they weren't part of this segment um and you look at now it's it's funny that everything's being made to fit these old cars and things like that i mean i've, I've been there nine years currently doing the resto mod stuff and yeah, it's just a completely different world than it was nine years. Yeah, well, for instance, say that the technology that was available for fuel injection in 57. Right. Compared to the technology that's available for fuel injection now, is it makes it, yeah, sure, it's the same thing, but it's completely but they, different. Exactly. Right? Yeah, completely different, yeah. Improved on it. Do you, do you get folks that have gone old school with the car? and had it for a couple of years, and they see their buddies that have the LS conversions and stuff like that. Sure. And they know that it ain't going to be cheap, but they want, you know, they want that LS7 instead of a 502 carbureted whatever. Um, You getting those guys in, do you you have to approach it the same way as far as the project? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is just, it is not black and white. It, mm-hmm. and, it, and it never will be in, in that industry. There's just there's just too many factors, but we, we get a lot of that. And um, again, it just comes down to you know qualifying the the, the person or, or you know, and, and it's it's a friendly conversation. I mean, we're not looking, you know, don't misconstrue that as you come in and we're eyeballing you up and down. But it's, oh yeah, yeah, it's, I it's literally yeah. you know we have that discussion. We're very open and honest about it. And, and, and I ask the customers to be real with me. You know. Um, and a lot of times, too, and I, I'm sure you've probably done this, you know, you'll get somebody in there that's like, oh, I want to do this, and I want to do this, and you're sitting there in your head going, like, you just laid out $200,000 worth of money, and sometimes you have to go, you know, hey, and, and I tell people, I, I go, let's, let's start with this, and I, I start off with, you know, this has no bearing on, on anything to do with the project. It's just so I can get a better understanding of where you're at. And I, how much are you willing to spend? Right. How much are you willing to put in this? Right. Because they've rattled off $200,000 worth of stuff. And then they tell you, oh, I've got 20 grand to spend. You, okay. Well, let's, let's look at that. Mm-hmm. Um, you, really have to, you really have to have those conversations. I guess so when we're talking about yeah. qualifying somebody. Sure. It, it's getting the right information and making sure that everybody understands exactly. the same page. Exactly. It's information. It's information. They, they need the information that we have in our heads so that right. they can make a decision that makes sense on how they want to spend their 20 grand, if that's sure. what they got. Yeah, to and if you got 20 grand and, and, yeah, you've got this giant wish list, so you tell me you've got 20 grand to spend, so we don't kick you out the door. We go, okay, well, here, let, let's look at this. So 
So for 20 grand ish or in that ballpark, right. we could do X, Y, Z and we'll figure out, well, what's the best, what are the best things we can do within your budget that's going to improve your situation, make you happy, give you something of what you want. Um, so, you know, we figure it out together. Yeah. Right. That's what we all do. It has to be a process because if somebody wants a 2000 horsepower LS twin turbo in their car, but they don't want to change anything else that's in it. That's you, not gonna you, you're going to have yeah. issues. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to work. Right, and, that, and they probably appreciate you telling them that. Well, and that's and that happens, and that that is another aspect of it. You know, somebody will come in and say, "I want to put an LS motor in this car." Right. Well, some people who don't do this every day may go, "All right, yeah, I looked up, and the LS package is this, and how much? Yep, yep, yep. How much is it yeah, to put yeah, in the car?" Yeah. Well, I can tell you that, but here's the problem. When you do that, you got to change this, mm-hmm. change that, mm-hmm. change this, mm-hmm. and then they go, oh, you know, wait a minute. Hadn't thought about that. Hadn't thought yeah. about that. You know, stuff an LS in a 63 Corvette, you don't have enough yeah. chassis to, to some, handle the give car. Give it some fuel and, right. and, yeah. and yeah. put some wires to it, and it'll go. And yeah. No, you know, so, so again, it, it, it's, it's all about having the discussion with people. Yeah, and then you have the customer who says, I could do it myself, yeah. but, but I'm real busy. <laughs> I don't have time, so I thought I'd let you do it if you do it cheap enough. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, right, right, right. And, you know, it's not cheap. I mean, we, we pay our guys, I hope yeah. well. I mean, but they're, they're all, yeah, they're all talented, right. um, you got a skilled workers. Guys there. They're, they're, not, they're, they're not oil changers, you know. Right. They all, they all have uh, very specific skills. And, 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 and it's the same guys coming to work day after day after day. Yeah, we've got a great crew. They've and, been with us. Some that of them longevity long means time. so much in our end of the business. Oh, yeah. Well, and I, I speaking as an older guy, <clears throat> <laughs> you still have to have some of his old guys as knuckle draggers yeah. around to understand what these cars used to be. Mm-hmm. I, I, and we do. We actually, <clears throat> uh, one of our guys... Uh, can set points. Yeah, yeah I, I hope yeah, he. Yeah. Perfect example. I hope he continues with us. Uh, he's been. He's one of the ones that have been since the company first started uh, back Dave. in '09. Dave. Yeah, Dave. Yeah, Dave. Dave's the best. And, and that's that is Dave is our guy. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, I don't think Dave needs to even be there. Dave does it because he, he wants to. He, he enjoys it, it. and yeah. he, he's entertained and he loves it. Uh, and that's exactly it. We've got Dave. He was. Uh, he was in the dealerships in the late seventies, early eighties. Right. A lot of these cars were still mm-hmm. coming in for service. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, yeah, so we kind of have that aspect. So we sort of have the younger guys and the, the outside the box folks that you know kind of get on the, the the new custom stuff. Let's do this one-off thing kind of deal. And then I've got Dave. And if you want your you your car is completely original, and you want to keep it that way, and you need it worked on. There's your guy, I've got your right guy. there, right. And, and that's so we're trying to offer to everybody. But and what we have found is that the young guys now, they come in with the technology. They might not have the experience and skills of the guys like Dave. No, oh no. But they've got the technology on their side, and they're willing to bring it into the business and show the old guys what you can do with a with a 3D printer in yeah, our oh yeah. experience, yeah. you know, yeah. like, yeah. oh, you need something made that you can't find? Well, let's just draw it up and make it. Yeah, and that's a great, well, and that's a great thing about Dave in particular is that, you know, yeah, he's that old school guy, but he's been around with us long enough that he's also got the experience on both, so it's kind of the best of both worlds. But, yeah, and even it's funny, or not funny, but you, you watch, like, some of the newer guys who don't know some of the older stuff, 
and and they'll they'll go talk to Dave and, oh, and yeah. Dave's explaining to him and and you see the you see the the, the, the new guys understand because it's all still the same principles it all works the same yeah, yeah. just the technology is different so it's funny the things that they'll they'll pick up from each other and bounce off each other and oh you know oh, okay that makes sense and well now this is what you know that's whatever this was then well now that's what this is now and 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 they see how it all kind of came together which is huge for having the overall picture of right what's going on and as long well, as there's no egos involved no and you know that's again, the big thing yeah we just a great great group of group of guys i mean we're we're family around there the you you mentioned that when you first started the business you know you had ideas of how you wanted to run it where did those ideas come from they come from the kitchen did they come from just uh School of Hard Knocks. A little, little bit of everything, yeah. Just, just. Did you go to school for a business degree no. or anything like no, that? No, no, not at all. I actually went to school for, uh, <laughs> uh, interestingly enough, uh, when I was younger, I wanted to go to school for mechanic. Right. Something along those lines. And and this was back in the days when, no, 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 no you, you're, you, you're going to college. Oh, yeah. There's yeah. no, yeah. There's no saving if you don't cars, go to college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going to college and you're Degree. So what I did was, uh, I'm, gonna, well, I'm gonna go be an engineer then. Okay, I either wanted to be, I think I was a mechanical engineer. I was like, all right, that'll sort of encompass cars and stuff. Would have been great for me too if I hadn't involved math. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's a whole lot of math, and, and it's funny because yeah, you know, math is, you know, we use it all the time to, sure, to do yeah. stuff that we do. But um, I was always a hands-on guy. I wanted to, I wanted to get my hands in and fix it. I wanted to feel it, touch it, make it build it mm-hmm. and and so i did the engineering thing in, in school and and uh, i had some internships i worked for a tire company a couple other places and yeah and it was a it was a desk job it was uh you're staring at a computer looking at numbers like you never did anything physically. must have been awful did you get and your engineering degree i didn't i didn't because i went through those uh uh internships and they were great i did fine but i was like man it was very corporate. It was. Uh, oh yeah. It just yeah. wasn't. It wasn't quite what I wanted mm-hmm. to do, and the whole time in the back of my head, it was always, you know, gosh, I just I want to do the car thing. So, with regards to, to college at the time, I was. It kind of became well. What can I do to just uh, get a college degree and and feel like I have had a well-rounded education? Right. So I ended up. Big change, <laughs> weird change, but I went from mechanical engineering to philosophy. Because in my head, that was like, all right, it's the study of thought. It's the study of, um, you know, uh, all that stuff. I mean, it's the study of thought and mm-hmm. logic and yeah. et cetera. And I'm like, okay, this will give and now me... now you're in the world of automotive. <laughs> right, 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 right. There, there is no logic or that's <laughs> any it, of it. It was funny because I think in the long run, looking back, it, you know, talking about coming up with some of the processes and stuff of, mm-hmm. of, of running the business. Well, I, I had the mechanical knowledge. I had the engineering and some of the mathematics then i went and got you know I, I did the study of thought study of logic looking at things and figuring stuff out for what they are and, and and those two things combined together i think is really what allowed me to go in and sort of figure out what's going to work you know, stepping right, back and right. looking at the situation well when you realize that you need others to be involved right oh yeah and trying to figure out what they're motivation will be to come every day and produce that in itself requires a great deal of logic absolutely absolutely (laughs) because there's so many unknowns absolutely 
issues that that the people that you're working with may have that you are not aware of. Absolutely. Um, oh, just, I'm glad I didn't know about the philosophy thing when I was up in front of you in the class babbling on about whatever I was babbling on about. Yeah. But, you know, uh, this guy's got me all figured out. All right, let's go back to the, the car shows that are on television that we all watch, oh, okay? Yeah. Do you think... Now, uh, there are some excellent car shows on television that don't they're not they're not orange county choppers sure. uh, yeah. related with all the drama and all that stuff do you think they do the viewers and the industry a disservice by it and they settle up with the customer i can think of one particular show that settles up with the customer but you never know what the number is yeah. mm -hmm. do you think they do do the industry a disservice not that you want to I just mean to put it in perspective. For the guy that's sitting at home with his car that he's never built and it's in the garage and right. he's going to get it done someday or there's a tree growing through it or God knows what else. But, you know, wouldn't it put it more in perspective for him to go to a shop knowing that what he's watching on television is a three or four or $500,000 bill? Absolutely. Because a lot of them are or way beyond. Yeah, and you'll, ne you'll never know that. And you'll... Well, and they did it in a week. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, we know, no, yeah. No. yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd say it's probably been a little of both. I mean, the benefit to it was is obviously it, it, it made that, not that it wasn't, but it kind of made it more mainstream. It made that stuff cool. I mean, building these cars was like the cool Which thing. is a good thing for and, you. And that was yeah. the benefit of it. But yeah, was it a disservice in the other aspect? A absolutely. Because it, it, it gives people the wrong perception of, of what it really is. How about the auctions? I know we're getting off regard? the base here a little bit. In what regard? In, well, in, in the regard that a car sells at the auction for less than the paint job costs on it. Yeah. Because I know, it, I know what it costs, you know what it costs, Tim mm -hmm. knows what it costs, or the upholstery or whatever it may be. You know, and it goes to the auction and it doesn't matter how much money you threw at the car. It, yeah. it, it ain't going to bring it because it isn't whatever. Absolutely. I mean, it, it happens all the time. Um, I mean, I... You know, look, we make our money off of building cars for people, but yeah. I, I do not hesitate to tell a customer when they walk in and they want to, they have bought some whatever, Mustang, Camaro, whatever it may be, and they want to build it. This has, like, been their, their car, and, and they want to build it. And, and I've had the conversation with some people before and go, well, what is special about this car to you? Hmm. Is it, is this car been in the family since it was new was mm -hmm. it your mom's car your dad's yeah, car yeah right yeah did, did you date your girlfriend in it and yours your first car um cause those are the people that you kinda go okay I understand you doing this because mm -hmm. it means something to you you're right. gonna keep it it has yeah. special value then there's the other folks that oh, I've just always loved a 69 Camaro and I've always wanted to build one I won't hesitate to tell that person Go find one that somebody's already built and buy it. Right. Yeah. And if maybe there's, you don't like the wheels or something, you want to change a couple of things, then change a couple of things. But, you know, you may not necessarily want to go build your own car unless it's something really special to you. Well, that brings up an interesting question. Do you have people that come to you that have cars that have been built that they're looking to sell to somebody that wants a 69 Camaro? Uh, may come through the door, and this person's at it, they've enjoyed it, and they're done with it, or, or they want to move on to another project? Yeah. Do, do those, you have that networking Some, going on? Sometimes, sometimes. I mean, we're honestly so busy with things. I mean, a lot of times stuff like that will come through, and we'll get some folks that, you know, hey, uh, 
selling it, just go through it and make sure everything's oh, okay. good and yeah. uh, uh, that kind of thing. And, and, and we'll do that for them. And we'll also, you know, I've had some people come through that say, hey, I'm looking at buying this car. Would, oh, okay. would you yeah. guys take a look at it and, and tell us what you think? And, you know, if we've got the opportunity, space to swing them in and, and look it over, we will. And I, I, I've told people, I mean, I haven't hesitated to tell people before now, like, don't, don't buy this car. Right. You know, so. We'll, or how about the, the, the people that uh, just bought the car oh. anyway, yeah, yeah. Know, and yeah. now they're bringing it for the post-pre-purchase yeah. Yeah, yeah, inspection. Yeah, yeah. yeah. unfortunately, that, that, that has happened a like, bit ooh, as well. It's like, ooh, ooh, you, ooh, you got chrome rotors on your car and it much? won't stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, a, a little side story to that. One of our, one of our really good customers, uh, he's done a couple projects with us. I mean, he's been around for a few years, and. Uh, great guy, love him to death. Again, part of the family. Uh, his biggest issue—he's got the money to spend. His biggest issue is uh, he is just so impatient; like he cannot wait. And 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 he recently purchased a car. Uh, he spent a quite absorbent amount of money on it and brought it to us and wanted us to change some things about it. And uh, unfortunately, we started working on the car, and man, the thing was uh, had been wrecked. And oh it had been no! Hidden stuff had been hidden. They had mm-hmm. uh, reconstructed half of the car out of like you know a half inch of body filler. Oh! And, mm-hmm. and this poor guy had dumped a lot of money on this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, it, it happens, unfortunately. And there's no recourse. And there's no recourse. There's no, no recourse. He bought it, and that, and that's it. And now he's now he's into what what was going to be. I just want to change the motor out. Now he's back into a full restoration mm. i mean we had to actually order him a brand new bot from dynacore like oh it no. was that bad like, well but in the long run oh, when you explain now he knows that to a person got. you explain that to a person by the time you yeah, repair oh, yeah. quarters and get everything lined up and do all the, the yeah. gaps and all that and that's the way it started and this car was so bad it's like well can you fix it and i go yeah we can fix anything but you know as bad as it is by the time we're done yeah forget about it like it's 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 just it's not even just you can't even justify. It. And you're doing a service to the guy. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, by, yeah. You know, we again and like like Tim said too. We yeah, we we got to make our money and, and and sure any business person is going to make as much money as they can off of whatever they can, but we're going to do it fairly and we're not going to take advantage of it. Right. I mean, and I'll, I'll be honest. With you. As a matter of fact, what happened with him was a good example. He we we. Kind of started discovering stuff, and uh, me personally was looking at it and going, well, okay, we can fix that. It's not that big a deal. And we get a little deeper and found this, and it's like, well, okay. Then it finally got to, and he, he's like, well, I want to keep going. I'm in it now. And it got to a point where I called him up one morning, and I said, hey, I said, listen, I'm, you, you got to stop. Yeah. I said, you got to stop right now. I said, I don't have the heart. I can't keep. I can't take your money. I said, I'm not going to let you do this. I said, stop right now. So we're not, well, I said, we're not doing anything else. We're right. not doing it anymore. I can't watch you do this. Um, and he was a little upset with me. <laughs> yeah, well. uh, you know, he he was upset with me for a little while. But but again, uh, you know, I, I'm a firm believer. If you you do the right thing and you treat people right, it, it's going to pay off. Even if it if it's not uh, in the moment, um, it'll it'll come karma. You know, it'll come. And back how around. how how is that? How has that come full circle? He's for you? come back around. You know, he we basically talked to him and look, you need to buy a brand new body if you really want to do this car and you really want to continue. Like, well, let's just do it right from the get go. And you know, of course, that was another large chunk of money he was not expecting to have to spend. But 
you know, when he came in to take care of all the business and get everything ordered, he actually closed the door in my office and sat me down and said, I just want to thank you. You know, he says, I'll be honest with you. He says, I was, I was, pretty, I was pretty mad. Mm-hmm. But he said, I, I want to thank you for, for talking me down, for, for doing the right thing, for, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, a, a great example of that. That's just how we want all of our dealings to be with people. Is, is we're, we're looking out for you, too. We're not trying to take advantage of anybody. This stuff is stuff you learn as you go along, but who were some, who were some of your mentors and your heroes when you were growing up in the, in the car world? Or any world, you know. Oh, yeah. Anything that affected all that makes up Frank right now. <laughs> yeah, that's a laundry list. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't say it was any one particular. I mean, you know, obviously... I had a good relationship with my dad, so, you know, your dad's a big part of that. And, and he was a Marine. So he was a Marine. discipline. And yeah, oh, yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There, was, there was no messing around, and, and uh, he's a smart guy and, and a good guy and, and loving father. And, and uh, you know, I met some people through, through his work there at, the, at Napa, the car guys, so I kind of got some experience from there. And then, and then just generally, like, you know, I loved watching racing on TV and stuff like that. So sure. I, I can't really pinpoint it down to one thing, but... Uh, yeah, it's all had a little bit of an effect. You mentioned uh, Warren and Kurt. Uh, you had to be. How did you get over your your? Um, I don't know. How did you get over your your taking them from being, you know, somebody you just never yeah. figured you'd ever work <laughs> for to just going in and saying, "Hey, Warren," you yeah, know, yeah, and, and, yeah, and yeah. just developing a normal relationship uh, without being starry-eyed yeah it, it was kind of weird at first and i mean I, I guess i'd say that i was a little i was older at the time so i kind of going into it sort of had the wherewithal to know that like hey yeah these guys are who they are they're legends however you're here you've got a job to do and you better show them that they hired the right person um so, so that helped a lot. I mean, you, you had to just remember that they were human beings too. And, and as you, you, you know, I was terrified my first oh, sure. few months there, at the very least, you know. And, and as you get going, you kind of realize, you know, they're, they're just people too. They're, they're just people too. And, and, and you just had to go into it with that, with that attitude. And, uh, you know, but it, it was definitely feet first with those, with those guys. What, when did they start asking your opinion of things. You Not know, that they would always agree with it, but when did they start wanting your input? That is one thing I will say about them. And, and, and even, you know, and I think we kind of run our companies sort of the same way. I mean, obviously they had ways of doing things and stuff you wanted to do, but there was always <clears throat> trying to do something new, trying to do something different, trying to go outside the box. So, so that was always nice they would definitely like you'd sit there and be looking at something and kind of like well what are we going to do about blah 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 and they were always cool about you know hey i just would say something what about this and sometimes you know they'd go well no you can't because blah 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 blah. you know 20 years ago we did this right 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 right, yeah Uh, so they kind of knew but they were always to them that's what they wanted to see they didn't want some bump on a log that was sitting there turning wrenches. They wanted you involved. They wanted you thinking. That was right. the biggest, biggest thing. They want you to think. Mm-hmm. And, and, that, and so they were always great. Because you can't make it faster unless you're always thinking. Yeah, you, you gotta be, you've got to be thinking. And, and, and that was the biggest thing for them was, was um, 
you know, if they knew you cared, they knew you were, you were, you know, you were trying to, you were thinking, you, you, you know, you were using your head. Um, they were open to anything. Now they might shoot you down in a heartbeat, but they always let you. Yeah, but if they shot you down in a heartbeat. They had a reason. They had a reason. They knew. There was already. And they had some history. Right. They and had and some there history. were many times, you know, especially after I, I had been there and had some time and got used to it, that, you know, I could go up to Warren and go, or Kurt, and say, you know, hey, what about if we try this? And I go, mm, I don't know. Go, go ahead. Try it. Try it. And, and that was great. That, those, those were like some of the best moments. Oh, when, that's the best. When that you're all best. sitting there and you're, right. well, try it. See what happens. You know, I've noticed in my business when I make a suggestion, if somebody is stuck on something, I can make a suggestion that's out of the box of where they're thinking. They'll never use my suggestion, but at least starts there. It made them go down a different path of exactly. some kind. And, and they yep. come up with their own that's, solution that's, that's even better. That's it. That's it. If you're not working together, it's, it's, you all have to work together. Sure. Any industry, business, whatever, it's, it's all a team effort. And, and you know, when I hire people on at the shop now, I, I tell them that. Like, look, we, we want your opinion. We want to hear what you got to say. may not work out. We may shoot it down. It may be a reason. But, yeah, oh, yeah by all right. means, if you see something, I want you to tell me. Because mm-hmm. you may see something that we don't see. Yeah. Yeah, and these young minds, they do have some interesting concepts yeah. that I might not have thought of. I mean, of. if you have a mechanical mind, some basic skills, you, you can look and analyze what's going on. You don't have to have done it for your whole life for 15 years. You're smart right. enough to look and go, hey, I see this over here. Yeah. That's all it takes sometimes. Exactly. That's or there might be something in this young person's toolbox yeah. that you never thought yeah. of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Some, with the new technology. Well, you have to take apart a few tea kettles to understand, yeah. you know, what's, mm-hmm. what's going on there. Like you say, you, if you're a tinkerer when you're a kid and, you know, you've, you've got tinker toys and erector sets and whatever, you're always thinking, what if, what if, what if? And mm-hmm. um, what would you do differently? Had you, had you had it all to do over again? I know you were immersed in automotive from the Napa thing and stuff like that, but what what would you do differently? You know, I don't I don't know that I would do anything differently. I mean, you know, I might could go back and pinpoint. You know, everybody can go back and pinpoint certain individual things here and there, but but as a whole, the whole package, um, I I still I, I've had a very eclectic, very successful. Uh, career, I've been experienced to a lot of different stuff, and and I don't think I'd change that because it's what what's made made me what I am, it made me got me here. It, it wasn't just one thing or, or anything like that. Um, it, you know, every experience you have in life is what shapes you as you get older. Are you a let's look five years down the road kind of guy? Oh, I'll try to be. You're beyond. I know you're beyond day by day. You know, oh yeah, way beyond that. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. But what do you see five years, ten years down the line? What's, what, what does that perfect situation look like for Frank, the family, and the family that works with you, and the customers, and, well, and everything else? Five years, but ultimately, I'd love to be sitting on a beach somewhere. <laughs> uh, now, before we get to that, before we get to that, <laughs> now, I, I, we know that ultimately you like it. Like yeah, the, I mean, look, it's, it, it's still, especially with the economy and the way things are, and and it is somewhat of a up and down business at times, you know, when things are great, people are spending money. When things aren't great, people aren't spending money. So um, I think for me is, is 
five years from now is, is to still be around, still be successful, have the business going, um, and, and like to see it grow. Um, kind of would like to look outside the box and, and uh, maybe get into to some parts design or things like that, you know, start offering some other options besides just us building cars. That's, that's probably my five years. Well, that you've learned from building sure, cars, sure. you know. The, oh yeah, we, you struggle with something, and you you build a, a fix for it. Right, and you know other people are going to have the same problem. Absolutely, and, and, yeah. and so yeah, that's kind of uh, you know the five year. My my five year plan would be yeah, you know the business is still there, doing well, and and we're we're starting to look at branching out uh, outside, you know, with other things as well. What do you say to a young person that was sitting in there? Well, not I can't say that was sitting in your seat twelve years ago or whenever it was. Um, what do you say to a young person that wants to get into this business? I mean, really wants to get into it. Not the not the guy that watches racing on TV and never has never been to a track. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What What do you say about you know pursuing the automotive trade now as opposed to when you know I was working in a dealership and I went through the whole college thing and all that and it wasn't you know it wasn't my it wasn't my deal. Um, I just had to keep my hands busy and hey. uh, so. Yeah. What do you say to a young person nowadays as, as you know, about pursuing your dream? Because you've definitely pursued a dream. It, the, the bottom line is you, you've got, it, it really has to be a dream and you have to love it. And, and you have to be real with yourself. I mean, sometimes you may think you want to do something. And, and first off, try it. If you want to do something, don't be afraid to try it. Because you'll never know if you don't try it. Right, and you also have to be prepared that you might try something and realize, not really what I thought it was, or, or not 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 what I expected, not for me, um, and be be willing to to move on, to to constantly evolve and change, and <clears throat> whatever you end up doing, if you don't love it, you're just going to be miserable. Right, and there's just no two ways about it. I don't, I don't care what you're doing. I mean, if, if you're a garbage man and you don't enjoy being a garbage man, well, you're not going to. You know, you're not going to make it as a garbage man. Yeah. In the end, it's all work. It's all work. No matter what. All work. But and, and, if you can stand yeah. to do it, it's, right. it's not as bad. And it all pays the same. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, if you're if you're a crew chief on a top fuel car, you're going to make X amount of dollars. Right. So don't go there expecting to make four times <laughs> that because it ain't happening. Yeah. And if you're a garbage man, you're going to make X amount of dollars. Yeah. So it all right. comes down to loving what you're doing. good with that, and then... then by all means, pursue whatever you want to do. But don't. My biggest thing is, and I have a actually have a, a guy from from the program mm -hmm. working for me currently, and I had this this conversation with him the other day. And, and a big part of it is is confidence. Be confident in yourself. Yeah. You know, if you want to do something, well, dog on it. Go out there and do it. Do the best you can do. And if it doesn't work out, that's okay. Have the confidence to know that you're going to move on and you're going to do something else. No matter what, just don't ever stop. That, that's, I think that's the biggest thing. I think people get in situations and they realize that, oh, this, uh, you know, it, it gets them down or whatever. And, and, and maybe that's not the right thing to do. Like, use it as a positive. You, you've learned from this. Now take what you've learned from here and move on to something else. Yeah, I, I, when, I was, when I was in the teaching profession, I always viewed failure as a success in a different different way absolutely. because you found out what you didn't want to do. That's absolutely, like. yeah. Just and like building the car, you know, something goes wrong and it doesn't work. Well, hey, you found out what not to do. Well, and, and that's a and positive. Look at those those 40, 50-year-old <clears throat> guys that you were working with at the track or 60-year-old, some yeah. of them. 
you know, they they gave it all pursuing yeah. what they were doing, but that's what they wanted to that's do. That's what they wanted to do, and they did it. Yeah. What questions, question or questions, have Tim and I not thrown at you that you wanted to let people have an answer for? <laughs> uh, I don't know. You guys have done done pretty well in, in my book. I'll give you mm, some Bud is very thorough with his oh, question. You know, it comes from his teaching. No, you guys have hit it. I mean, I think if it, 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 you know, just it really comes back to if you're. you're you know, the young folks out there, if they're looking to really get into this type of business or get into the racing world or, or again, anything you do in life, like, it's never going to be cut and dry. No, it, no. It, it's sometimes you're going to get lucky and the pieces are going to fall into place and other times you're not. And you have to know that, be prepared for that. And you got to love what you're doing. You have to be real about what you're doing. You have to be realistic. I mean, give something a try. And if, it, if it's just a pipe dream and you realize it doesn't work, well, Realize it doesn't work, and and be 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 self-aware. Know yourself, and yeah, um, go from there. Because this isn't this isn't about money for Frank James. Lord no, no. You got guys spending money on cars, and I'm sure you never. Lord never, no. Right, People you know, ask me, what do you that. you know? Oh, what do you have? And I was like, oh, I, I drive a 2008 Mazda three, and no, I can't afford to build one of these. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I want a hot rod job. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, we're 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 comfortable, and and and. I, I, I take care of my bills and, and take care of my family. And that's, do you, do you get, that's all I can ask Do you for. get pleasure that this is not off-the-wall question? Because I've had people ask me. I'll get, I'll get something and I'll fix it up and, you know, it's just the way I want it. And then I'll turn around and sell it. Because to me, building it is the fun. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. uh, you know, we'll be at a car. I've, I've got a truck I jazzed up. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to let it go. I want to move on to something else. Sure. There's a lot of people that... I'm, I'm, I, wanna, in this I, I guess as realm. I've gotten older, I've stayed out of the, the, the wanting to get another rusty thing to work on. Yeah, you learned. I still, <laughs> I, still, I, still want to, I still want to do something. Yeah. I just don't know what that is next, but that's what you know, keeps you going. Yeah, I hear you. I, that, I mean, that's kind of me, too, at the shop. I mean, I get, of course, nowadays I, I don't get to work on a whole lot. I'm caught up with dealing with the business side of things. You still got your right. race car? Still got your Chevelle? No, no. No? no? Okay. okay. Actually, I sold it to... Um, Several years ago, I sold it to my, my business partner's buddy. Okay. And he turned around and, and built it and turned it into a nice little car. So oh, that's cool. Kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> Had her so many years, well, and now it? it was a 60. It was 70 Chevelle. 70 Chevelle. Yeah. Oh, that was my favorite yeah, that's, year. Oh, yeah, I yeah, love yeah. that Mine 70. Too. Oh. Yeah. But no, it's a, yeah. Uh, but, you know, going back to, to sometimes it's it's not about having the car. It's working on it. That's that's really where it is, is for me. I, I don't need a car. I don't want a car, but I like being able to work on them. Um, you know, my, my funnest thing personally in the shop is, oh, we need this custom one-off part built for yeah. whatever it is. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, give that to me. That's, that's what I want to do. I'm cool. make something that I'm making, I'm building, I'm creating. Mm-hmm. That, that's where it's at for me. And, you know, when you, when you hand somebody the keys to their dream car. Oh, yeah, it's a great that's feeling. Gotta, that's got to be cool. a great feeling. When you know they're happy and they're, they're thanking you and, and you can tell, like, you've made somebody's dream. That's a it's it's all worth it. Frank James uh, from American Restaurant Mods. Um, it, it was a pleasure to have you as a student. It's a pleasure to have you as a friend and to have you come in here and and uh, you know see the things that you've done and where you've come from and and where you're going. Your star is rising, and we're we're just uh, real happy for you. So appreciate it, and I thank you guys. You you, you in particular, uh, part of part of what got me here as well. So. I appreciate everything. 
Glad I know you, Frank. Yes, sir. <laughs> Me too. Good stuff. Frank James, American Wrestling Mods. Thanks for coming in and uh, being on Bud's Garage Overdrive, the podcast. Thank you, guys. Every week, Tim, we talk on both the radio show and the podcast here about year one, the classic car restoration experts, classic mm-hmm. muscle cars specifically. Right. You know what they offer besides parts and, um, and you know, doodads for your car? I don't want to say doodads, but parts, things to update your car. Right. Okay? Right. You know what else they offer? What? what? They offer advice on where to go with your project. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to do things in a certain sequence sometimes. Well, sure. they know the ins and outs. So what's what's not in the catalogs uh, that used to be printed and what's not on the website is the expertise of the people that you're talking to on the phone. They have probably built a bunch of cars or have been around a bunch of cars being rebuilt sure. where they know, you know, what's going to work, what's not going to work, and to guide you in the right direction and maybe to even help you order the parts in the proper sequence. Right. You know, you don't need a pile of parts when you're starting with a car. Sure. You need the parts to come to you progressively. And if you sit down and do some planning and find out what they have available, what's in stock, what's hard to get, that, that type mm-hmm. of thing, it can help you with the success of your project turning out. Because, uh, you know, if, if you've got a car down to the bare bones, you, know, you don't start by ordering the upholstery first. But you would be surprised how many people oh, do that. Yeah. And as the project evolves, things change, and your ideas might change, and you might want to change the result of the end product. Well, and, you know, we've talked about digital dashes and stuff that are available for your car, your muscle car from year one. That's something you want to plan ahead of time. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to make sure that you've got the area for it to put it in the car, what's available out there how it's going to hook up to your engine transmission uh, combination, those types of things. Right. And, you know, they can, they can help you walk through all of this stuff if you do some planning. They know, you know, starting at A, you're trying to get to Z, and they know how to get you there. Yes. To check out not only the parts, but check out the expertise of the great folks at Year One, the classic muscle car restoration folks. Check them out at yearone.com. Okay. Time for some thank yous. Let's thank Frank James. Uh, great, great conversation with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, year one, muscle car restoration folks. Jacobs Media. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, their, and our producer, Bill Wilson, that tries to pull all this together every mm-hmm. week. Uh, Lanier Technical College and Concept One Pulley Systems. So, Tim, next week's guest is going to be our friend, Doug Turnbull. Uh, we know him as a skycopter guy, but in his spare time, he is an announcer, pit announcer for nascar performance racing network and he's got a very interesting story to tell so that'll be on next week okay great. meanwhile let's not forget about bud's garage radio show on wdun terrestrial radio am 550 fm 102.9 it's also streamed and on the podcast and uh it features local guests and their expertise and you can kind of transfer that to your local location Mm -hmm. and find your expertise uh you know that's local and uh Use some of the things that we give you, hopefully. The information some of the ideas. Yeah, is all good. Yeah, that's all good. So remember to keep between the dishes, shiny side up. We'll see you next week right here on Bud Scratch Overdrive, the podcast.